it's a, it's a one-hour service. It's a family service. The kids are in with us. We will do Christmas carols despite pushback from some of our worship team members. Uh, and it's a, it's a great time. Five o'clock, so you can get here. We'll have you out in one hour. You can get home to have your Christmas Eve celebration with your family. So join us for that. And then the last thing I'll, I'll just say, too, Shane, I love it that you're doing this, the guys thing. I love it. It's a great deal. So I love the idea. We're going to try this happy hour time frame. If that doesn't work over the period over a while, we'll switch it. He's, we're open to We want it to be something that guys can get to. And again, the whole purpose of that is really to get guys together. It's a chance for the guys to get together, to, to fellowship, to talk, to share a little bit. I believe the outcome of that will be as, here, here's what I think, in life in general. We, we, we want to pray for one another on a regular basis. Sometimes, if, let's be honest, we forget to do that. We don't, it's not in our mind. When you get to know someone and you connect with them and you make relationship with them, it's a whole lot easier to be mindful to pray for them through the week. Is it not? Anybody agree with that? So I just think as the guys get together, they fellowship, they hang out, they share their lives a little bit. Uh, through the week, th- there's going to be that little thing that pops in your mind. Say, hey, I, I, was, I remember what uh, so-and-so was sharing last week. I'm just going to you know, lift up a little prayer for me. So I think that's what happens. The outcome can only be good. So why not come down, hang out, have a beer, and pray? Right? Is that the plan? That's the plan. Okay. So, hey, uh, speaking of being non-traditional. You know, Advent, for those of you that may not know, is just a celebration. It's sort of, it's, it's a traditional liturgical church thing, like the season of Lent before Easter. The season of Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and, and it really is a time for us as followers of Christ to sort of reflect on, on what it means that, uh, that Jesus showed up, really. Advent means you know, something is the advent of something is the beginning of it. It's the arrival, the coming. It's about the beginning of God becoming man. And it's, it's a chance for us to hopefully take some time out of our day, out of our week during this, this season uh, and reflect on that. It's, it's really, I was thinking about it this week, just kind of preparing the, the, the talk, and I thought this is, this is without question the most dramatic, most profound act of love uh, Ever. And so it, it bears uh, taking some time to consider and, and to think about. Uh, I want to be honest, though, as we go into this, and here's really where, where I'm coming from. Uh, the, the whole Christmas season is kind of a mixed bag, isn't it? It really is. There's, there's a lot of emphasis on, on love and, and on sort of this, this warm, fuzzy feeling. And you watch TV, all the commercials. They have the families together and you, the, mo- the holiday movies and, and, and all of that. And, and certainly, certainly there is that dynamic to Christmas. But I, I also believe, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, that, that that feeling, that sense of connection and love and togetherness is pretty elusive for a lot of people. And, and I, I think there, there are people who... Uh, during the Christmas season, they, they have throughout the year feelings of maybe uh, loneliness or isolation or depression, and, and those things are amplified at Christmas because of all of, all of the focus and emphasis. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I, I think that many of us, to some degree or another, uh, deal with the reality that uh, this feeling that everybody has that, everybody has this perfect 
idyllic picture of their life, their family, their love, their relationship with God, except me. I don't, I don't really have that. So the next few weeks, uh, we're, we're, as we focus on Advent and, and the Christmas season, we're going to talk about that. And, and I wanted to, here's a, and I'll be honest, this is a, uh, a series. I was really stoked a couple weeks ago. I got a little email from Vineyard, and they said, hey, we're doing a little Christmas Advent devotional called Receive the Blessing. And I just thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the series. I'm going to go with it because uh, I, we, here we say, blessed to be a blessing, right? That's our motto, blessed to be a blessing. And we focus a lot here on being the blessing. And, and to me, that's not a mistake by, by any stretch. We want to be a blessing. We want to bless everyone, our community. Uh, well, I said it this morning. The world, but not just the world, our neighbors. We want to bless uh, this church. We want to bless other churches. We want to bless people that don't go to church. We want to bless people that are needy and, and other people that aren't needy. We, we just want to be a blessing. But I, I want to take time this next four weeks, and I want to talk about receiving the blessing a little bit. Because, let, let's be honest again, if, if we don't receive the blessing in our own hearts, what do we have to give? Here's what I found. When I try to give out of my own stuff, it doesn't go very far. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot to give. I don't have a whole lot to offer to anybody. But when I give out of what Jesus has done in me, I find it to be a little more fruitful and more meaningful. So that's what we're going to talk about today and the, the Sundays coming up too, and then including Christmas Eve, about receiving that blessing. Um, so, so Black Friday. Uh, how many of you guys went shopping? Black Friday. Oh, they're, they're, look at your, some of them are embarrassed. How many of you went before 6 a.m.? There she is. Oh, two. two. Dude, you're killing me. Uh, okay, so I'm not going to, you know, I'll just say this. I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. Be, be absolved of any guilt you feel for shopping on Black Friday before 6 a.m. You might be crazy, but that's okay. Um, here's the thing I was thinking about, though, the whole notion of the perfect gift, trying to find the perfect gift. Sometimes you aren't even necessarily looking for something for a specific person, but you see that item, you go, oh, that would be perfect. So it's, it's about, you know, this perfect gift. And so the whole idea, incarnation, advent, the coming of Jesus is the story of the perfect gift. It's the story of the perfect gift. God chose it, picked it out specifically for you. He bought and paid for it specifically for you, and he gave it to each one of us. It really is the story of the perfect gift. That's what we want to talk about. There's no greater gift uh, that we could ever possibly receive than Jesus, who brings restoration and healing into our lives, who really affirms us and our identity and who we are in him, who cares for us, and, and who really does set us in the middle of that family setting that we, we all long for so, so much. Um, I, I thought of it. I'm reading a book uh, that's totally unrelated, but the title of the book is There's a Place at the Table. And I just thought this week, there's a place at the table for you, and it's right next to Jesus. That's, that's what this is really all about. It can be a little hard to receive blessings sometimes. Um, we, we live, believe it or not, in a fallen world, and our ability and our capacity to love and be loved is broken. Let's say that again. Our, our, our ability, all of us, to some degree or another, our, our ability and our capacity to love and be loved is broken. It's, it's distorted. That's why 
people do horrible things to themselves sometimes to try to find love. People do harmful things to their own lives to try to find love because their ability to love and, and be loved is broken, and so they seek it in uh, inappropriate ways. We are, we are all a little bit love-challenged in our own right. So what Jesus wants to do in coming into this world is show us perfect love. So, so my prayer over this season for, for us as a people, for us as a, as a church community, is that we would begin to uh, see that love of Christ in a, in a fresh way, in a new way, that we would be able to receive it afresh and anew, and that our capacity to love and be loved would be healed and restored. Maybe not completely, but to some measure, that our capacity to love and be loved would be healed and restored. That each of us can receive a little bit more of the blessing of God than we've known in the past. Love is who God is, love is what God is, and love is what God does. And so as we receive from Him, I believe those things become more real in us. So I want to pray for a little bit, and then we'll get into it. That was just an intro. Jesus, thanks for this time of year and uh, all that it means and all that we can uh, do in our hearts to celebrate uh, who you are, what you mean to us. And help us, I pray, for each and every person today to receive a little bit of, uh, of your love. Amen. Before I continue, I, I got a little thing. Uh, gentlemen, there they are. Hey, so there's a little devotional book that goes with this. So there's one per, I can only give you one per household right now. They, they ran, the printing ran out. They ran out of books. So they sent me half of what I ordered. So if you don't get one today for some reason, you'll get one next week. The, the back order will come in. But one per household today. It's a little six-week devotional. It goes with the teaching. One, one, week, one reading each week, and then one for Christmas, and then one for the week after Christmas. Just don't be looking at it reading right now. Give me your full attention and read it when you go home later. I was going to not hand it out till later, but I went ahead and did it anyway. So that's my little Christmas present for each of you. How about that? Um, you're welcome. So today we're going to talk about the first week of that is the blessing of the living water. Uh, I want to begin this in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. One little verse there. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So most of us know the story, right? Jesus walks into town, and uh, a Samaritan woman comes out to the well to get water, and she finds Jesus there. Well, here's the thing. Um, this, this woman, her, her capacity, her ability to love and be loved was broken. The, uh, the well was a meeting place. You know, nobody had water in their house. You don't just turn the tap on, right? You go to the well to get your water for the day. So typically, all the women in the community would go to the well in the morning to get the water that they would need for that day. This woman came later in the day, and it doesn't specifically state this in the story, but I believe she came later in the day to avoid the other women so that she wouldn't have to see them or talk to them. I believe she was so broken in her capacity to love that she couldn't deal with uh, the innuendos and the stares and the looks and the comments any longer. She intentionally showed up later. She still needed water for her home, but came at a time when she thought no one would be there to get the, to get the water at the well to uh, disturb her. She had had relationships with a number of men in her life, and none of them had ended well. So here she is, more or less sneaking out to the well to get water, and a very unexpected person, a Jewish man, 
uh, offers her, a Samaritan woman, a very unexpected gift. She comes to get water, and he says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water. Okay, hold that thought. I'm going to pause for just a moment here, and I want to go back in time about 700 years to the prophet Isaiah, who we read from earlier today. Isaiah is kind of the Christmas prophet in some ways. He had a lot to say about what would happen at Advent. Isaiah prophesied numerous times throughout uh, his writings about what would happen when Jesus came. In Isaiah 41, he talks about this living water. He says, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake you. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I'll turn the desert into pools of water. I don't know if you've ever been to the desert, and I don't mean uh, the kind of desert we have in Oregon. That's not real desert. Uh, I, I mean, in Southern California, we go to Anza Borrego or even Death Valley. And, and if you've ever been there or if you've ever even seen pictures, you know what the ground looks like. There's no vegetation at all because nothing lives there. It's, it's the average temperature, you know, is 112, 115, 117, 130. It's just dry, hard ground that's cracked and broken. And that's what he's talking about. I'll turn the desert into pools of water. And... Really, Isaiah is speaking metaphorically here. He's not so much talking about the desert as he is the desert of our hearts. Our hearts sometimes can become so dry, so parched, so hardened, so cracked that they're a little bit like that desert ground. And Jesus says, I will turn those into pools of water. I'll give you living water. I'll restore that broken capacity to love. What happens in life? that causes our hearts to become like that. I I think uh, sometimes sin causes our hearts to become like that. When we engage in patterns of sin in our lives, uh, what what happens, it it may seem innocent enough, it may seem like it's not hurting anybody else, but over time, our hearts... Uh, become hardened to God, and our sensitivity to the presence of God diminishes, and it, uh, our hearts grow harder and harder and drier and drier, and God becomes more distant and, and, and far away and harder to hear. This is why J- Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Remember, he didn't judge her. He didn't condemn her. He didn't criticize her. He forgave her. He loved her, but he said, go and sin no more, because he understood if she continued in patterns of sin, her heart would stay hard and she wouldn't be able to receive the blessing that God has. Whereas if she turned away from that life of sin, her heart would become soft and she'd be able to receive from God. So sometimes sin in our lives can cause our hearts to become hard. But, you know, sometimes sin against us in our lives causes our hearts to turn to God. It's interesting to me, the nature of sin is such that it it, it almost, in one regard, whether it's my sin or somebody's sin against me, the effect is the same. John used to say, you step off a curb, you get hit by a truck. doesn't matter what color the light was. I mean, it was green. If you had the lights, got hit. The, the effect is the same. doesn't matter. Sin against us causes our hearts to become hard. We build callous up. We do everything we can to shut that pain down. And so our hearts, again, 
grow distant from God, even though it wasn't something we did of our own. Uh, we, we, we turn the, those emotions and those feelings off, and we do everything we can to cover them up. We become insensitive to God. It, it doesn't state it again in the text we read in John 4 today, but I really believe this woman had been sinned against in ways that are beyond understanding. And she had shut her heart off. Religion can harden our hearts too, can't it? We talked about it a few weeks ago. Religion and relationships, that whole thing. The, the Pharisees were obviously the pinnacle of uh, re- religious hardened hearts, and Jesus spoke to them often about it, you know. And, and I think in their efforts to be right, what they really did is they shut their hearts off to God. And they completely missed him when he came. That's the, the thing of Advent that's tragic. The tragedy of it is that this amazing gift comes and people miss it. And there were so many people that didn't see it. And, and, they, and they wanted to be right so bad, they, they continued to not recognize the gift of God when it showed. Now, look, we're not... Nobody here is a Pharisee, I don't think. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but we can allow some of those same things, those, that, that judgment, that need to be right, to creep into our own hearts, can't we? And when we do that, what happens, e- even though our, maybe our motivation is, is different, is our hearts become hard and, and callous to God again. So uh, Advent, the coming of Christ, is like spring rain. It's like water that pours out and turns those hardened hearts into to wells of water. Our hearts become soft, and, and, and it's living water that brings life to us. And, and it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter how hard they are, how dry they are. It doesn't matter how far away we've gotten. It doesn't matter what happened in our life that caused it to be that way. Jesus will make them fresh and new again. That's the promise he gives us. I remember... Um, Uh, I remember like it was yesterday, to be honest. First time I I, uh, I wandered into a little home group meeting in Riverwinder, California. I didn't know anybody. And I, and I really, I had no expectation. I'd never been to anything like that before. I had no idea why I was there, except that some weird notion told me I should go. Weird notion named the Holy Spirit, but... I didn't know that. I had no, no understanding. I just thought, i got to go to that thing. So I showed up, and it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't profound in any way. It's a bunch of people in a living room and a guy with a guitar, and he started singing songs, and he wasn't even that good. But when he started singing songs, and the other people started singing, the Spirit of God flooded over me. It was like a flash flood. There was no warning. Completely took me by surprise. Completely took me by surprise. And and overwhelmed me with the presence of God. And I just believe that's Advent. That's what Isaiah is talking about. That's why Jesus came. He wants to do that for us. A little bit further in his dialogue with this woman at the well, they, they talk about some other things, and then Jesus says, anyone who drinks the water, we thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. 
sprouting up trees from God. And she says, I love this. Sir, give me this water so I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You know, here's the thing. She was surprised too. She was every bit as surprised as I was. She did not expect to meet God at the well that day. She went out there when she thought nobody would be there to get water to go home and take care of the things she needed to take care of. But she got filled with living water. And I think that's how it was. The hardness of our hearts just melt away. The Spirit of God just melts away. I don't know why uh, any of us are here today. Well, I kind of do. But I mean, maybe we didn't come expecting to meet God in that way. And I don't know if the same thing will happen for each person this morning, but I... I really believe if, if we open our hearts and we allow ourselves to be in a place where we might receive that God will surprise us in this season. And that that living water will flood over our lives again afresh. That God will begin to fill us up uh, and, and, and touch us. So what I'd like to do is uh, pray and, and close with the time of just prayer and ministry today if we could. You guys would come back up and I know I should have warned you I'd be that short. But come kids. I love them. They just do whatever I say. They put up with all my shenanigans. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pray. Lord, uh, thanks for today and your goodness in our lives and uh, for living water and how fresh and how real it is. And I pray that you would water uh, the hearts of your people this morning, Lord. If we're a little bit dry and a little bit parched, a little bit cracked, that you would water it. If we're a whole lot dry and cracked and parched, that you would water us as well that you would surprise us with your presence today, Lord, that you would meet us today the way uh, you met me that day in California and the way you met the woman uh, at the well, even if we weren't looking for it, weren't expecting it, that you would come this morning and water us. If you guys want to go ahead and stand, and if I could have...